What is going on? Episode 6, kicking off now, the Better Dad Podcast. I am Caleb Scott, a 30-year-old white dude recording this from his living room. It's been a little while since I've recorded. Um, had a lot of hustle and bustle going on, and so now I've got a moment to sit down and decompress and put some of these thoughts and feelings into this medium and allow you as listeners to laugh at it, listen to it, learn from it, and just experience what I'm experiencing alongside me. Um, I'll be honest, as, as these podcast episodes have come out, I've received some kind of unique and cool feedback just about um, whether it be the, the, the volume and, and, and style of podcasts, whether it be the content whether it be some of the things that were said. Um, So I've been encouraged to kind of just keep going and to be very transparent. Um, So the episode of today's podcast is to kiss the shark. (laughs) Obviously, the goal is to have attention-grabbing episode titles so that when you click on them, you want to listen to them. Uh, But we'll get to that in a second. So... Tonight is Thursday night. Had dinner. Little man is fast asleep laying down listening to Alexa um, play thunderstorm sounds. I am sitting on the couch after cleaning up toys and wiping off handprints and putting things back together just a little bit so that he can wake up tomorrow and tear it all up again. Um, Had the privilege of, of... doing dinner with my best friend tonight, um, and his wife and getting to meet, um, their newborn baby. Um, it's kind of weird. My best friend and I have the similar age gap between us, except he was the older and I was the younger. And now my son is older and his son is the younger. And it's just funny to think about what we were as 15 year olds. And now what we are as 30 and 31 year olds. And just to kind of you know, just, just how life really continues, you know, the things that we thought were so significant 15 years ago now no longer touch our radar today. And, you know, there we were sitting in a restaurant, both with our children and, and guys that were, you know, tough guys and athletes and, all these different things were making Mickey sounds and drawing with crayons on paper. And, you know, just, it's, it's just, it's cool. You know, I, a lot of times I think men are so afraid to look a certain way when it comes to being dads, but he has already just blossomed even in the short amount of time to just be a fun, hilarious dad. I always knew he'd be a great dad. Um, but it's, it's exciting. It's always exciting to see, your friends just excel, especially when you know they have the ability to excel. I have a lot of good men in my life that I watch be dads. I had a buddy over here Wednesday night for Bible study who not only is an incredible father, but he's a great husband and he's a really, really talented employee. And he's got a baby due in a couple weeks and he just bought a new house. I'm just, I just, sometimes I'm just in awe at how some of these men do it. I'm so very proud to just have a circle of men that are good fathers. So 
you know, we're sitting at dinner tonight and, and I'm, I'm just watching him do life and I'm watching him interact with my son and, and it's just, it's a very surreal thing and it, it brought me to this kind of conclusion and I, I, maybe sometimes I'm too deep and I can admit that I'm always looking for some sort of revelation and in what I experience or see. Maybe sometimes I just need to just go with the flow and not worry about it. But let's take uh, a few days back uh, last week. So <clears throat> for those of you that are listening that know me or that think you know me or may know a little bit about me, let me give you kind of the rundown of my life. I went to a Christian private school uh, K through 12th grade, and we didn't have football. I played basketball, soccer, ran track, and I was mediocre at best at all of them. Um, accidentally ended up walking on and playing football in college, and kind of fell in love with the game. And that's a story for another day. But um, it really, really, you know, started to kind of appreciate football well it ended when college was over and you know I was at the top level as far as is where I was going to go because there's no school after that so a buddy of mine was like hey we're playing semi-pro so I got involved in the eight-man semi-pro game and you know it was fun recreational and blah blah blah. long story short uh the team that we have now the Queen City Insane Asylum was born um and we're starting season three well one thing that we really wanted to do as a program was to get an exhibition or a preseason game with one of these professional teams to kind of see where we really matched up to see if we had the infrastructure, if we had the talent, if we had the organization, like, could we do what they do? And I worked really hard to make that happen. And last weekend we got that chance and so I, I just I want to walk you through this. So I decided um, to no longer play football anymore. My commitment for the 2022 season was to be less in the spotlight and to be more behind the scenes to help elevate other men get to where they're going, to help help them be seen and do their thing. And so I, I just, um, that's my goal for this coming season starting the, on the 26th of this month. Um, but I have always wanted to have a chance to say that I played in a pro game. So the pro game comes up um, and I decide to play. Well, it's my and I am I am excited to be able to take him to watch his dad play his last game. And, and you know, my son's been to my games before, um, but as a very, very, very small baby. And obviously he probably won't remember this either, but he was, he's at the place now where he can recognize and understand that that's his dad and that's, he's playing and, you know, it was just kind of unique experience. So the day goes on, there's all sorts of things to account for and making sure we've got this and making sure we've got that. And we finally walk out of the tunnel and they're singing the national anthem and I've got this this tinted visor on that covers my eyes, and I stand in the back, and I'm I'm looking out over at 
a couple thousand people in this arena listening to the national anthem being sung, watching 35 of my friends, teammates, players prepare to play some of their first and last ever professional football contest ever. And I was just... My, my son is in the stands. I don't know. It was it was such a surreal moment. I just stood there and like I just cried. I cried a little bit it, it, because it was good. It was so good. And I was just like, God, like this is so cool. Like, and so then I look over at my little cousin who's our kicker and we both went to this Christian private school that um, didn't have football and here we are both about to play in a professional game together. And so kickoff happens. And we battle it out with this um, pro team. And honestly, I was very, very impressed with, with my team. Athletically, organizationally, play calling, handling adversity, um... I was. I was super impressed. Uh, I, I felt like we held our end very well. Um, even looking back on film a couple of days later, there's a lot of things that I think the referees might have missed. <laughs> Whether that be on purpose or not, we'll never know. Um, but nonetheless, it, it was it was more so about seeing if we could do it, and we could, and we did. And And at the end of the day, I got to leave the field and hold my son and I don't know it was just it was great it was so great it was so great to to be able to have that to be able to tell him when he looks back on pictures you know 10 years from now um so we finished the game um my mom takes my son back to the hotel and you know in the in the past, my mo would be to celebrate with the boys, you know, to go have some drinks and and, and go laugh and rub shoulders and, and talk and cut up a little bit. And I think this is kind of how I knew it was my last game, and just just a lot of things like it, you know whatever. But the moment the game was over and I was cutting the the tape off my ankles and packing my bag and making sure I had everything. All I really cared about was getting back to my hotel and getting my son. And while I loved playing the football game, I had spent a whole day doing something that that really served me, but didn't serve him or serve our relationship. And there was just kind of this, I wouldn't say guilt, but just kind of like this like small prick at my heart that was like, Okay, now go be with him. And so I'm, I'm, I get back to the hotel, I grab a quick shower, I get my son, I lay him down in bed with me, and you know he sprawls out this little one-and-a-half-year-old starfish in this king-size bed, and, and he falls asleep in my arms. And I just sit there, and I think, wow, dude, you just played in a professional football game. Wow, you're in a complimentary hotel room. Wow, all this stuff. And like, that should be kind of like the thought, right? And I'm like, wow, 
this little boy trusts me enough to be as vulnerable as sleep in my arms and I you know it's just so weird it's just things that we thought we would really care about when we got them just didn't hit the same way that I thought they would and it's okay it's okay I'm okay with that I was I was just being a dad is great (laughs) it's great it's I I hope all of you men that are dads appreciate it like that and I hope all of you men that are about to be dads look forward to it and all of you men that said no man I'll never be a dad dude telling you it's so rad so I'm always learning from my son and I know that's cheesy and sounds cliche but like really God has blessed me with a child that gives a very unique and humbling perspective a lot of times unintentionally Um, and so one of those perspectives came today So my son and I have a very, very tight bond. Um, You know, anybody that knows us knows that, knows how we interact, knows how we talk, knows how we hang out. Um, Something I'm very proud of and and mostly very thankful for. So today we decide to go to the aquarium. And we've gone to the aquarium a bunch. And, you know, to me, I've seen the same fish a thousand different times but to him it's always it's always new it's always fresh it's always exciting because he has the the childlike wonder that's not been tainted by the brokenness of our world just yet (laughs) but there is something wild that my son does that I really really have been struggling with today so my son is uh, a child. He is small. Not for his age, but just because he's a child. So everything is bigger to children. Everything is newer to children. Things that they don't know are scary because they don't know exactly how they work. You know, the unknown is really frightening, especially to us as adults. Um, and in this aquarium, I mean... The Bass Pro Aquarium is, there's a reason it was not open for like 80 years, because they were putting in the most wild infrastructure you could imagine for an aquarium. It's huge. There's all sorts of stuff. So my, my son is so friendly and he's so smart and kind and he'll just kiss you. <laughs> he'll just kiss you from time to time and and I'm always pumped, you know, whenever it comes. And I don't, sometimes it's random. Sometimes I feel like it's generated by something. But he's just, he's just lovey. Well, there's this room at the Bass Pro Aquarium that has this, like, 20-foot shark that's hanging from this post. And it's obviously not a real shark, but it is quite large, quite realistic, and quite frightening to a one and a half year old. And so we walk in the room and obviously it's the focal point. It's the first thing he sees and he tightens his grip around my finger and he says, daddy. I go, yeah, buddy. I said, you're okay. Daddy's right here. And so I don't want to encourage my son to walk blindly into things, but I also want him to know that he is safe 
when I am present. So I go, no, we'll go. I'll go with you. Let's go look. So we walk over to it and he's, he's not pulling on me to not go there, but there's a, there's a definite hesitation in his walk. And so there's this little seagull, fake seagull that sits next to it. And so he goes and says hello to the seagull first, pats its head or whatever. Well, then he turns his gaze and attention to this 20-foot shark, which to him probably seemed like 100 feet. It's got these sharp teeth. Its mouth is at the bottom. It's hanging upside down. And it's it's honestly not even secured very well. It's hanging from a rope. So, like, if you push it, it'll swing a little bit. It's a little frightening. I, I won't lie. Um, and so... He walks over to it and he does this little squat and he leans in and he kisses the shark. (laughs) And I was like, what? And I go, oh, is that your friend? And he like looked at me with this like confused face, like absolutely not. No, this is not my friend. And so I kind of waited for a second and I go, why'd you kiss the shark, buddy? And he like looked at me and then back of the shark. And then he put his hand on the shark and then he put my hand on the shark. He said, okay. And I go, oh, okay. And like I said, maybe I'm too deep sometimes. But in that moment, I feel like I watched my son used love to combat fear (laughs) and it was nuts I watched my son completely destroy the way that I as a man thought you were supposed to approach fear fear says resist fear says protect Fear says run away from. Fear says all of those things. Nowhere does fear say love. And while there was an imminent threat to my son, and while there was a major, major burning in him of fear of what might happen, he, in his own power, because of my presence and because of who he is was able to gift the shark with a cheek kiss and dude i am telling you i do not know why that has been so monumentally impactful in my life today but holy smokes my son beat fear with love that's so cool imagine if we take this perspective to everything uh, imagine the fear of of screwing up as a dad what if what if we went into that with love what if we loved the idea that we were so fearful and passionate about being good dads that we we accepted the role more wholeheartedly that we, we we fell into it we appreciated it think about your partner think about what it would be like to the fear of 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 being hurt by them what if instead of you resisting your partner what if instead of distancing yourself from your partner what if instead of being like nope i'm not gonna let them in anymore you said 
I'm going to love in the midst of fear because that's how I overcome it. I don't know, man. It was just so raw. And so now I watch my son. (laughs) If there's something that he's kind of afraid of or not sure of, he like kisses it or he hugs it. And, And I could be way off. And there's maybe some some pediatric counselor listening to this right now and going, he has no idea what he's talking about. Maybe I don't. But for whatever reason, my son today kissed a shark. He kissed it. He kissed a shark. A man-eating, flesh-tearing super shadow that lives under the sea and feeds on blood and flesh. He kissed it. (laughs) Because... That's how he felt like overcoming his fear with. So, I, I've been chewing on this all evening and kind of trying to articulate how, how I feel about it and what I think it means. Um, and I'm just very, very moved at the fact that there's such a boldness in love um, and, and, and one of the things I think I try and drive home in my own life and I hope to drive home in the, the concept of being better dads is the boldness that love is and the sacrifice that love is sometimes so my son had to initiate the love My son had to, in the face of fear, find love. My son had to decide at the cost of potentially getting bit by a shark to give love. Like all of these things are like firing off in my head. And as men, what if we were able to love that same way, boldly, intentionally, continuously both to our children and to our children's mother what would that look like what would that look like for you personally what would it look like for you to say I don't like this I'm afraid of this what if this happens can I still love in it when when someone says something to you that triggers you when your kid does something that you that's just that one thing that you just cannot stand can you respond in love one thing is we're going through in our bible study with the men that are in my bible study we we're talking about how in first peter peter is writing a letter um to these believers and he's like yo like just so you know this persecution stuff it's going to keep happening but i need you to be encouraged and, and he tells believers hey Jesus's MO was to be kind in the face of rejection. And that is such a backwards cultural ID for us. We are so used to being like, if this hurts you, remove it. If this makes you happy, get more of it. If this temporarily fixes something, fix it. We're, we're a culture of band-aids. So what if we as men 
and as fathers help shape the culture in which our children grow up and which our children's mothers are loved through our motivation, through our verbal and nonverbal, through our decisions, through our everything, in whatever capacity. Can you love in the midst of absolute fear? Man, that's so good. I'm telling you, this little boy is like a freaking, you know, little baby Buddha. He'd be just throwing me these these gems left and right. Um. So I I, I say all that to say I I want to be encouraging, and I, and I want to touch on topics specifically that help promote better fathers. Um, and I I I really struggle with this position sometimes because you know my son just turned 18 months today so I've got 18 months of experience you know what I mean so I'm, I'm no expert by any means um, but I, I think it's important to talk about this kind of stuff I think it's important to for us to, to realize that there there's more to just being a dad than just being a dad being the one that they refer to as dad you know, there's a lot of kids, a lot of adults in therapy right now because of something a dad did or didn't do, said or didn't say. And I'm just I'm just kind of under the hope that maybe I can keep my son out of future therapy by just being attentive, by being intentional, by learning from other men that are successfully doing it already. By having these conversations out loud. I mean, I'm telling you, like, at the beginning of starting this whole idea of a better father, um, it really stemmed from me having a better father. And that's through my faith, like, genuinely. Like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, and I don't want to be cheesy or cliche or religious for the people that, that are listening to this being, like, whatever. But the truth is, is, like, the kind of father that Christ is, the kind of father that God is in in the word is the kind of father that I want to emulate. Um, I always I always push people back to this movie. I, it was my favorite movie ever before I became a father, and it definitely is my favorite movie now that I am a father, but it's called John Q. I talked about it in an episode before. Um, John Q, Denzel Washington's an older movie. Um, God, it's so good. It's so good. It's it's the idea that there is not a length that a man would not go for his child. And fellas, I would encourage you to, to do a couple things. Ask yourself this. Here's a reflection. Based on my relationship with my son based on my relationship with my daughter based on my relationship with my children do they know that I would do anything for them do they really know do they know that they're safe do they know that they're loved do they know that they're valued do they know that they're important do they know all of the if you were to ask your kids not prompted, not anything else. Do you think that they would know that? If they do, congratulations. If they don't, now's your opportunity to make that important. 
it's it's we are we are past the age of, of trying to be cool anymore. How how you look to the rest of the world doesn't matter, but how you look to your children does. It, it's it's super important because I'll be honest with you. When when I <laughs> I don't know I'm talking about my bald spot and my big nose in every episode, but. I'm I'm balding at a rate that is embarrassing for a 30-year-old. My nose, I see my nose in every photo of myself. I cannot get away from it. You know what's crazy? My son doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. Never once has my son been like, man, dad, I love you, but I wish your nose was smaller. Or, man, you're a really great dad, but you'd be a better one if you weren't so bald. Like... What, what are we giving a voice to? What are we stealing a voice from? Are we really making an intentional effort to go cultivate relationship with our kids? Are you patient? Fathers, man, this is a big word. Are you patient? Like, and not, not just patient like, all right, well, here we go. Come on, buddy. But like, can you be patient enough to allow your child to work through something when they don't have the same emotional capacity to deal with something that you do? Can you sit there with them while they cry? When they don't do something the way that you think they should do it, do you have the ability to sit down on their level and communicate how to help them do it better? You know, we we so badly don't want to be a repeat or an imprint of the, the fathers that help shape us in a lot of areas and And yet sometimes we catch ourselves doing it. So can I just ask you right now, if you were to be outside looking in on your own relationship with your kids, what would you say? Would you say he is kind? Does he emulate kindness? Is he gentle? Is he patient? Or is he firm? Is he aggressive? Is he abrasive? Is he short-tempered? Fellas, may, may, we, may we eliminate the idea of being short-tempered? May anger be something that only burns righteously when it's something against our children and, and, and nothing else? And anger is, is something that is so heavy on the hearts of our generations that are in counseling right now. Just, just seeking and craving approval from their parents, but feeling like they just had an angry parent or angry parents who were just constantly mad at what they did, constantly mad at their existence, constant. So they take these insecurities into their relationships, and they can't figure out why they can't have a committed relationship. I'm telling you, man, fellas, you have been given such a special assignment. Please, please take it seriously. Please be intentional in the things that you're saying, you're doing. Please watch how you speak to your partner, the the checkout person, the Chick-fil-A attendant, someone who cuts you off in traffic. Pay attention to your tone. Pay attention to your words. Pay attention to your volume. All those things matter, man. 
These humans rely on us to learn. And if all we do is carelessly move around them, we are setting them up for the greatest failure ever. Kiss the shark. Kiss the shark. May we, as men, as fathers, may we destroy fear with the outpouring of love. Episode 6, the Better Dad Podcast. Um, shoot me some questions, some, uh, some things you'd like discussed on here, whether anonymous or not anonymous. Um, I'm, I'm getting ready to start putting some panel back together with some people to interview. Um, so look forward to that. That'll be exciting. Um, but just know that I am forever thankful for the people that support the things that I do. Um, I've got merchandise dropping by you guys uh, purchasing the merchandise that helps me keep doing stuff like this. And um, hopefully we look back 50 years from now and be like, man, we made a cool impact on the way men love their children. Cool. Happy Thursday evening.